Russell Malone, what's happening, my brother? You, Christian McBride, how you doing? We first met in the early 90s. Um, I remember meeting you for the first time. I, was it at Bradley's? No, we actually met, uh, wait a minute. Was it Bradley's or was it down in Atlanta when you had the, when you were playing in the trio with Benny Green I and Carl? I think Allen? I met you before then, because I think, well, no, wait a minute. You know what? I think you're right. Yeah, it was like an 88, right. 89, something yeah, somewhere about. Yeah, yeah. I remember when I first heard you play, man. I mean, you, that was one of those moments where, why is this cat not a household name? And of course you would be in just a matter of time, not too long after that initial uh, musical contact. But one of my favorite gigs, I can think of a whole lot of gigs we've played through the years with, with Crawl, with Diana Crawl, mm -hmm. with Benny Green. But I remember a gig we did at Bradley's. With John Hicks. John Hicks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was yeah, I tell you, that was a that was a very special place. After that place closed down, um, the the scene in New York changed. A after huge a while. part went with. Cause you know that was one of those places where you could you be playing, and then after you get off the bandstand, you might see Lou Donaldson or George Coleman, any of those guys sitting at the bar, and they'd be waiting on you and to dress you down, and let you know what you know you what know you need to work on. That's deep that you say that because I think we were probably. A special group of musicians, and that we were the last generation to get a lot of those bebop cats like Milt Jackson, Eggs, yeah, uh, Ray Brown, mm -hmm. who would, without holding their tongues, let you know exactly how you sounded. Oh, of course, <laughs> yeah, you know, we still got a few of those guys. We like still that got now, a few, of them and, you know, we're blessed to have them. That's right, because you know, if they didn't love you, if they didn't think that you had the potential to grow and as we say down home, be somebody, they wouldn't they, they wouldn't take it upon themselves to tell you anything. That's they wouldn't waste their right. time, you know. And uh, Russell, you've always been celebrated by all of your friends, peers, cohorts. You're an old man at heart. <laughs> you know more songs than anybody I can possibly think of. Where did you get this memory pool to re remember all of these tunes? Well, because I, you know you know a lot of music on a lot of different levels. I know you know a whole lot of obscure R&B tunes. You know a lot of obscure Broadway tunes from. Well, I just I just like songs. You know, I uh, spent a lot of my time listening to music as a child. And when I was a kid, we were talking earlier about those TV themes. Right. You know, back when we were growing up, the music was a lot hipper. Absolutely. On television than what you hear now. And having the uh, good fortune to play in bands led by, well, the guy who really who really straightened me out as far as learning tunes was Freddie Cole. I worked in his band ah, for, sure. for, for quite some time. Sure. You, you know Freddie, he's, he's a walking encyclopedia. You know, we mentioned Bradley's earlier and how when that place closed, a certain element of the scene went with it. Do you think our generation is picking up the ball with a lot of the younger cats coming up now? I think so. and kind of put, are, are we old enough to put them on the spot like we got put on the spot? I think so. I'm 45, yeah. and you are 36. 30, yeah, see, you know, I remember a long time ago, Lonnie Plaxico told me, "Hey man, you know how Lonnie talks. <laughs> hey man, we becoming the old cats now, so it's up to us. But you know, it's up to us to uh, to hire these young musicians. I know you hire young, you've hired young musicians Absolutely. in your band. I have uh, a band full of young musicians, so it's up to us to pass it on. I think each generation does that. While we are passing on the things that we have learned from the masters, it's also up to us not to suppress what they can bring Absolutely. to the music too, because each generation brings something different. It has its own thing. The, the tradition of jazz is adding on to, to the tradition. Absolutely. It's kind of recreating it. I love talking with you about your, your background. You come from Albany, Georgia, mm -hmm. 
and I know you have a, a blues background. I remember uh, I love hearing you tell stories about when you were playing with Clarence Carter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Tell I, me about some of your early gigs. Well, uh, I started out in the church also. Sure. You know, my mother would play these songs, uh, these recordings by Sam Cooke with the Soul Stirrers. You've heard that music. Oh, of course. In church, man, people aren't really, there are people there that aren't musically educated. They respond to what they to feel. To the feeling. To the feeling of it. Sometimes whenever we uh, would be a little self-indulgent with what we were doing, the minister, the pastor would look over and give you that look, <laughs> you know, and if you mm -hmm. didn't get it in gear, mm -hmm. you know, you may, you may get embarrassed. That's and right. I remember a couple of times when we weren't um, getting, you know, when we weren't paying attention to the reaction of the crowd, he got up, stopped the music, and he said, you guys are getting a little too spody over there. That's what he told spody. us. You're you getting too spody. A couple of times he would make us take off our guitars or get off the drums or whatever, make us get on the altar and pray for forgiveness. <laughs> I swear to God, man, I'm not kidding. You jiving. I, I'm not kidding you. He would make you pray for forgiveness. <laughs> Son, get on the altar and pray. You're getting a little too spody over there. And when you get up, then, you know, Play like you got some sense. Oh <laughs> my goodness! I wish some band leaders would do that now. Yeah, but he was a trip, man. He just my pastor just died uh, uh, two years ago. But uh, yeah, he was he was something else, man. That is some that that is some serious training. Now, what kind of transition was that? For you? Because I I know uh, people from an older generation. They don't play that. You don't mix oh, yeah. jazz with gospel. You know, sacred music and 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 secular. You know, the two don't go together. Yeah, I know a lot of people. Caught a lot of flack for that. I know, I know Sam Cooke caught a lot of sure. flack for it. And, Bobby uh, Womack. Bobby Womack. Yeah. That's right. And, 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 and I'm pretty sure Aretha went through. But for me, man, it's all the same. Yeah. I mean, it's but all the same. But your family didn't. Oh, well, my mom was pretty cool. Now, when I first started to play other types of music, and when I, because I started trying to make my living as a professional at the age of 18. Mm -hmm. So I stopped you know, playing in the church. And she was a little distraught about it, but she didn't discourage me. One right. thing she did say to me, she says, baby, you know, I would much rather see you play for the Lord, you know. Yeah. But yeah. she did say this. She said, at the same time, you are good. You're, you're gifted. Don't ever sell yourself short. That's beautiful, man. So when, when you started playing with Clarence Carter, at, at how old were you? About 22. Now, how did you get that gig? A guy named Ricky Gordon. You know Ricky Gordon? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we all, the mayor. We all Because I see Ricky. Ricky's cracking up. Ricky, Ricky's a character. Yes, Ricky was playing in a band a few years ago called the Ebony Hillbillies. <laughs> <laughs> the Ebony Hillbillies. It was some, you know, he played washboard hey, with this man. What's happening? <laughs> we played the so-called Chitlin Circuit. Sure. And, I, and I ran into people that I used to listen to on the radio. Denise LaSalle. Oh, yeah. Betty Wright. Bobby Rush, remember Bobby oh, wow. Rush, Hell Marvin yeah. Cease, Johnny Taylor, and Wildman Steve. <laughs> remember Wildman? Did you ever run into Millie Jackson? I did run it. We did a show with Millie Jackson in Washington D.C. Man, I believe it. Yeah, man, Millie Jackson. Now, where did you have time to? So you you had this gospel background. And you're hitting with these blues cats. Now, how are you learning all this jazz stuff? Just listening, just listening to the records because the way I got turned on to jazz, man. I saw George Benson. I didn't know who he was at the time, but I saw, and I'd already heard BB. Long B. live the king. I had already heard BB King because I saw BB on one of our, our favorite shows, Me and Yours, Sanford and Son. BB <laughs> was a guest on Sanford and Son singing a tune called How Blue Can You Get? Getting back to uh, when I was 12 years old, seeing George Benson on Soundstage. Remember that show, Absolutely. Soundstage? They used to sure. air out of Chicago. Right. And I saw this guy 
playing all of this stuff and I and you know and I never forget what he was wearing he was wearing a black polyester leisure suit one of those uh it was a, a black shirt with big white polka dots on it and it had the big super fly collar <laughs> and he looked like he had a thick mustache looked like Lamont Sanford from Sanford and Son. Yeah, right. <laughs> but man this man was playing some of the most amazing stuff yeah. on the guitar yeah. I was mesmerized. I said, wait a minute, what's this? Because I'd never seen any, I'd you know, heard some of the other players, you know, like I mentioned earlier, but this was a whole different animal altogether. Yeah. So at the end of the night, they announced uh, George Benson on guitar, and I found out later on that the other guys in the band, I dig this, it was Benny Goodman on clarinet. Oh, Mill Hinton was Judge. Milt the Judge was yeah, on there. Right. Teddy Wilson was playing piano. Right. Uh, Papa Joe Jones was playing drums, and Red Norville. Yeah, was right. Playing I remember bars. that. Yeah. yeah, man. So that's how I got into just this wow. jazz music, man. So I was amazed by the music that I was hearing. So anyway, I would um, I read the liner notes, and I kept coming across names like Charlie Christian and Barney Kessel, you know, yeah, because yeah. these, you know, these are jazz guitar players. And uh, I went out and bought records by those guys, you know, when I, when I could find them. Mm -hmm. And then I came across other names of uh, gentlemen who don't play the guitar, but they were, who didn't play the guitar, but they were very important figures in jazz music, like Coleman Hawkins, Miles Davis, Lester Young, sure. Coltrane, et cetera, et cetera. So that's basically how it started, man, you know. Well, you know, the instruments that we play, we're always going to be a side man to somebody, even our own bands. Well, that's right, man. And I think, um, I think one of the reasons why you work as much as you work, and you know, I've been fortunate. I get, I, I'm pretty busy. Louis Nash is, Louis Nash is another one. That's right. One of the reasons why certain people get called, they're unselfish. Right. It takes a very unselfish person to be able to sit in a rhythm section and just play, make right. the music feel good. You know, I do. I've done a few workshops around the country, and I come across a lot of young guitar players who have tremendous facility on the instrument. I mean, sure. they can play all kinds of weird, way out harmonic harmonic things. They can uh, play in odd time signatures, and it's right. great. Don't forget, you're in the rhythm section, yeah. and people aren't gonna always hire you based on your on your ability to oh, to play fast and chops, right. that's like an afterthought. They're gonna hire you based on your ability to make the music feel good. How do you make? How are you gonna make me sound? Can you make me sound good? That's right. Can you play for the that's band? Right. And I said, you know, you guys are here, you know, playing for the other guitar players. You know, if you want dap or you want gigs, I'll take gigs. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know man. what I mean? I remember one time Ray Brown <laughs> said something one time about uh, having gone to hear somebody play. This bass player was, you know, all flying all over the place. You yeah. know playing for his buddies and Ray Brown, I'll never get Ray Brown said as long as he plays like that I'll always have a gig <laughs> so you know and he did and Ray Brown always worked because he always gave you that's right he gave you the meat gave you that foundation man Ron Carter all those guys that's Absolutely. why they've been around that's why Ron Carter's been around for 50 years you know he gives you the meat and potatoes you're gonna be around for 50 years God willing I you intend to be around wood. I intend to be around for, for a long time, man, because my heroes are the ones who have been around for a while. They've been yeah. consistent, and they're still out here, and they haven't missed a step. And you know, man, that really brings it to a nice close, because what you're saying is that cats in our generation, Hargrove, Roy Hargrove, mm -hmm. uh, Greg Hutchinson, mm -hmm. uh, they all got the training. Oh, you know, yeah. they, they all know A through Y. You know, most cats just kind of start at Z, you know, they mm -hmm. and, and they have to work back, but, you know. And you those are the it. ones, those are the ones their career ends quicker than Black History Month. Ooh, look out. <laughs> Is that quick enough for you? <laughs> <laughs> Give me something you on that. <laughs> right on, baby.